Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad, the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit KMLawyers.com. Mention the show to get a discount. That's KMLawyers.com. <laughs> We're giving away Caps tickets in one hour, right at 4 o'clock, ahead of the Beltway Blitz on G&D. All right. So I don't know how to explain this very well, but the, the currency around here, around these parts, obviously money matters, but the second currency is is bits and bit acknowledgement. Bit acknowledgement. Right? Important. That's really what we're looking for. Like, if you get if you do the bit and it's good and you get no sold, it's, it's, lo- it's worse than being, you know, smacked in the face. It sucks. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. During the break, a lot of things are happening. Bullets are flying. Darius For some reason, is... we started debating who went second overall in the 2001 NBA draft yep. behind Kwame Brown, which was Tyson Chandler. But I remember that Eddie Curry went to the Bulls, but that was the fourth pick, not the second and pick. And I had it conflated because the Bulls, I thought oh, with the Bulls pick second, they took Chandler. I couldn't remember that he went to the Clippers first. So we had all the whole discussion. Ryan's doing something. The computer's taking nine hours to load. Darius is doing something. A spring training game is on uh, the Worldwide Leader. I think it's – I'm not sure who's who's in the booth. It's the exactly. Dodgers, yeah, for sure. Dodgers, but, Padres. No, but Tim Kirchin's in the booth. Uh, and somebody else, I think it's maybe Eduardo Perez. It's Eduardo Perez, and there's Tim a, Kirchin. And there's – well, hold on. And there's a third guy in the booth, that your play-by-play voice. He's turned away from the camera most of the time when they're showing these guys talking about it because he's interviewing everybody, getting, getting them going. He turns once real quick, and Grant goes, oh, dude, look, it's Kevin Brown. So, but but when I first said that, everyone just didn't pay any attention, didn't say anything. And I was like, that's pretty great, guys. Kevin Brown's doing ESPN games. Now, for those of you that don't know, Kevin Brown is on our little engine that could, little Masson number. Little Masson. He calls Orioles games. Little Masson. He went viral, and everyone fell in love with him and started, like, chanting his name at games last year because the Orioles inexplicably suspended him for literally saying what their record no, was. No, you know what he did. He said last year their record against the Rays was this, and this year it's better, and here's the new record. You can't do that. They you can't do that him. on the radio. Never forget they suspended him. Suspended. So my my mention of like Kevin Brown getting the bump up to an ESPN TV game, that's big for him, got nothing. So just I said, tumble. All right, fine. Just let it lay there for a second. Ten seconds goes by. I try it again. Room's now a little bit quiet, and yep. I go, fellas, Kevin Brown on ESPN. Still nothing. Still, Ryan immediately nothing. talks about like who who he scrolled left on. Darius is over there. He's like, oh, I got uh, Madden game later. Whatever, just that's just fine. Nothing. I was like, okay, they don't care about Kevin Brown. They don't care about the spring training game number one. Perfectly fine. I'm a nerd. That's fine. Except wait, 
Yep, okay, go ahead. So cut to I do a Shohei Otani uh, uh, hitting impression bit that gets a nice reaction. That I think uh, without not, now I know I made that about myself for a second. Yeah, I'm glad you added that. That but was very on. relevant but, to the story. But it is. Here's why. Because Everybody, Danny did an impression of yes. Shohei Otani. And the guys liked it. Yeah, so but it, like hitting. So I like here's what here's what his stance looked like. Here's what it looks like. Here's what each rows look like. Good reaction. Mm-hmm. So a reaction can be had. It sets the stage for the dichotomy between the no reaction that you got, positive reaction that I got, and then so I walk back. I leave the producer studio. Grant leaves. I walk back into our studio. Yep. We're coming back from break. The yep. music's about to play, uh-huh. and I hear very loudly. And like overly excitedly, by the way, not yeah. like, oh, look, like a holy shnikes. This is amazing. I, I just found $10. Can you believe this? Garris looks up at the TV and goes, oh, look at that. Kevin Brown on ESPN and starts clapping. Ryan says, and I quote, let's go. And Ryan, exactly. Ryan follows with, let's go. Not only do they care, <laughs> they're elated to find this out. This has been not even 90s, maybe about two minutes. Two minutes since my second attempt. He went the second time. To let everyone in the room know that I was first on the scene to see that little Kevin Kevin Brown, Brown. who, by the way, looks like a child at all times. Seriously, little Kevin? But nice guy. Maybe it's because I'm just a gargantuan, disgusting tub of goo. No. But he, I guarantee that guy's not more than 155 pounds. He he looks like he's 22. I remember texting um, Hoffman one time because I think they went to Syracuse together. I asked him, I'm like, how big is he? Like, is he a, a little wee little boy? Like, he looks tiny. And maybe he's got some height so he can have a little weight. But he is the, he is a size XS or something. Like, yeah. he is the smallest 26 waist. But anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is not only did they care that he was on, it was like a massive celebration. It was a huge pop. <laughs> and I literally turned around. Danny looked at me, and I went... I threw my hands in the air. So, are you bleeping kidding me? Like mad? Well, yeah, I was pissed. I was, I was furious. I literally, I tried to bring some a morsel to their attention two times, and I, I was so confident twice after the first time. I was so confident that they would care that I tried again, the, and they kicked me in the nuts. The first, and the then first one, the first one he goes, I understand it. They're doing their jobs. Everyone's distracted. Danny's a weirdo. He's thinking of his own thing. Danny's selfish. He's going to try to do something in a minute to make it about himself. This is my time. There's no way they would have no sold me on that on purpose. And so Grant went but a maybe second time. <laughs> but maybe, Papa, they'll find out Kevin Brown got the bump up to the big leagues he's been waiting if for. If I tell them true, they'll be excited about it. They will. I knows it. He was just our little Masson broadcaster. Now he's on national act. <laughs> Nothing. It's so quiet. And then, but how, like if Darius said, oh, Kevin Brown, wouldn't have been a big deal. He goes, who? Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown. He's doing. And, and Ryan's like, let's go. Like he was doing the clap where it's not just a clap. It's like the bobbing up and down, shaking in the chair clap. The only clap. thing that would have made it more over the top is if they just start going, hey, Kevin. Kevin Brown. Kevin. Kevin. Let's go. They were so excited. No soul. No sold you so to the hard. Heaven. Unbelievable. Now, now, ju- just to give you guys some insight, Ryan does this to me every day, basically, where I will call something out and then he'll call it out two minutes later and I'll be like, I, I called that out already. So that happens basically twice a day anyway. Uh, but God, that was hilarious. I, I, <laughs> He's got tears over I, it. I, because here's why it's hilarious. <laughs> Darius knows exactly. Like he was here for it. Yeah. He knows how excited he was to see it. 
He knows how over the top. Kevin Brown, let's go. His reaction to Kevin Brown, which would not make sense in any other workplace in America. Kevin Brown's mom yep. or dad wouldn't be that excited to see Kevin Brown on TV. Oh, good da- for Kev. Darius was like, it's as if he's he's uh, drafting mid-market play-by-play guys in a fantasy league. He's like, Kevin Brown, calling the game, let's go. It's my guy. I'm a, you know, I'm a broadcast mark like you. I thought so, too. I, I until to, you, until you said, you know what, that one's not for I me. I wanted to share a moment with my pal. I was busy. I was downloading highlights. The yard for a sale. We're going later. Darius picked right. up the item and was like, mm, "No." He was hard at work. That's <laughs> what we love set about it back him. down. He's a grinder, like a fourth liner on the Capitals. All right, Caps Coyotes tickets were given away Oof. at four o'clock. We did catch up with Daryl Tapp yesterday. He is the defensive line coach for the Commanders. Was on the team in 2013. Covered him then, which is why we started the conversation reminiscing about him being here and now having a new role. Last time I saw you in this bubble, you were also wearing burgundy and gold. <laughs> different team name, different role. No doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> it's a real kind of feeling to be back, uh, but it's an awesome feeling at the same time. Like I'm hometown kid from Virginia. It's been my favorite team growing up, so there's a true sense of pride to come here, work my butt off, and get my all for the staff. Uh, for the players we'll be coaching them for the, for, for the DMV as a whole. Talk about this mix on the coaching staff. There are young guys, by the way, that includes you. Yeah, younger yeah, yeah. guys who were just <laughs> playing, in my memory. Uh, mixed with some guys that have been around a little bit, this kind of coaching cycle. It's really, from the outside looking in, pretty dynamic, right? You've got the, the you know, the, again, kind of that two different tiers of it. I'd love for you to talk about that experience. Yes, sir. Uh, like I said, we're just getting started right now. Uh, we got in the office. The, the, the rest of us got that got hired, got in the office on, I believe, Monday. Uh, so it's been an awesome experience so far just being around guys that have been around the block a couple of times and know a lot of ball uh, for us guys that are, are new to the staff and kind of up and coming like myself and Kerrigan like to impart our wisdom from being a player and the stuff that we learned along the way like it's been an awesome experience so far just to be around these guys and hopefully continue to build that to get to these players once they get in the building. You were an assistant D-line coach previously so yeah. this is your first time like running a room yeah. doing your own thing. A, just that leap, you know, how ready do you feel like you are and what are some of the differences? But then also, B, what, what does it mean to you that Adam, who saw you in that role in San Fran, said, I want this guy and I want to promote him? Right. Well, first of all, I was co-D line coach at Virginia Tech. So I, I, I somewhat had the room there. I was working with another guy. Uh, but that's just the way we worked in San Fran with Adam Peters. Um, they don't try to hold anybody down there. They want to elevate everybody that's on that staff. And from day one, working with Adam, he was charged working with the D-line and finding his talent and walking me through the process and helping me in that aspect. Like, it's been an awesome thing. We connected instantly. Uh, so for him to have the opportunity to be the GM here, and uh, for him to think enough of me to, 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 to speak about me highly to Dan Quinn, who I played for in Seattle my very last year there, and for those, those guys to mesh uh, as far as thinking that I was ready to go and seeing how I operate in San Fran, like, it's been a, it's a huge honor. Like I said, I'm not going to let that go to the slide at all. I'm going to work my tail off while I'm here. Terrell Tap with us here on Grant and Danny. The group you're taking over, right? This is a pretty good defensive line. A couple of guys with some pretty good pedigrees. What, what do you think about Allen, Payne, and the other guys in that room that you're going to be coaching? Exciting to be around. Uh, always been an admirer of the game that those guys put on film. Like, true animals out there. Uh, so we're going to do our very best, myself, my assistant, uh, Sharif Floyd and Dan Quinn and Joe Witt. Let's put those guys in the best position to make plays. Whatever their vision uh, of a player that they want to be that's in their head, we're going to do our very best to help them meet that vision. So that's where our mindset is, and that's what we're trying to get accomplished. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, man.
Daryl Tapp, one of the young guys on this staff who has a chance now to grow as a coach and ultimately maybe climb the ladder. We've talked about the layering of youthful coaches with some of the longtime former head coaches, former coordinators in lesser roles. Uh, that's, I think, what Dan Quinn wanted to do when he put the staff together, we have to assume, because the execution was that you've got a huge variance in ages and experiences. It's The word I've used is layering. I don't know if that's right. I mean, you talk about doing that with rosters whenever you possibly can, and it makes sense with coaches too because if this goes according to plan, a lot of your assistants are going to graduate. Someone's going to try to make Tavita Pritchard an OC if this rookie quarterback plays well. Someone's going to uh, give you know Cliff Kingsbury another chance or Joe Witt a chance to be a head coach. Those kind of things are going to happen. Natural attrition goes on. The, the case I'm all, I've been pointing to nonstop over the last you know handful of weeks since this coaching cycle ended was the Tennessee Titans. They went from AFC title contender, Mike Vrabel getting way more than you would think out of a uh, an, an okay group, a couple of really good offensive minds turned Ryan Tannehill into, into someone acceptable. He gets benched, Vrabel can't get hired, and the Titans are in a totally different place than they were just a, you know, 16, 17, 18 months ago. That is your cautionary tale. If you don't have young up-and-coming coaches to replace the guys that are inevitably going to move up in, 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 into larger roles, you're screwed. And I think it's smart. It's a good way to do it because you want that experience to implement your vision, your viewpoint, get everyone on the same page, be able to coach the coaches as well. I think it's a really smart way to do it. I'm impressed. Yeah, totally. Real quick before we get back to tap, you mentioned Vrabel, and it just made me think about this. He was a player on the Patriots during their dynasty, and he was featured semi-prominently in episode two that I just watched last night of the incredible documentary that Apple TV is doing on the Patriots' era of, of excellence. So that this documentary is called The Dynasty. You said you have not seen it yet. Correct. We I've been on a cutting phase. Apple TV got the cutting room floor. Really? I canceled it. And now I'm regretting that. I mean, Ted Lasso's in the rear view. That's That was my so thought. I think there's probably some people without any new uh, morning show seasons or Ted Lasso seasons that might be in lockstep. But they're trying to up their game, I think, with some sports docs. Mm -hmm. And one of them, they're, here's the bad news. They love to do this. They're releasing it every Friday. I want the binge. I want the, the quick binge burn. Give me my six, seven episodes in two nights. Let me stay up from... 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. twice and just knock out a season of TV shows. So this is the issue. We've only got two episodes out. I don't know how many it's going to be. It could be six, eight, ten, four. I have no idea. But it's so good. And we talk all the time on this show. If you guys know anything about us, you know that I like buffalo wings and I got a French bulldog, right? You probably also know that we are obsessed with really well-produced sports docs, and especially now, like the real-time, following a season, following a storyline, stuff that Netflix and some of these other outlets are doing. But this is just old-school documentary style. The the video I haven't seen before, though, and the behind-the-scenes audio and access and some of the, the stuff they've got that somehow has not seen the light of day yet, it's pretty amazing. Everything from home video to, like, the occasional... Some, this is before yeah. cell phone cameras are ubiquitous. Exactly. Home videos uh, to, you know, the... the Camera in the room when Brady was drafted for audio and video. I've never so seen cool. about them discussing taking him. Uh, but you also just have the opt-in of, and I'm sure Kraft is involved in the documentary, but Kraft, Belichick, Brady all sitting down, being interviewed, as well as some of the other players, you know, Vrabel among them, which is why I thought of this. I'm telling you, if you get a little bit of time, if you got Apple TV, highest recommendation. There's no football right now. 
Last night, I'm sitting down, nothing to watch football-wise. I said, ah, let's watch it. Knock out a couple hours of uh, the first two episodes of this doc. And it is awesome. Really, really good. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the genre that I've been obsessed with of late, as we've talked about a bunch, is the sport that I wouldn't normally watch. You know, sort of either chronicling a journey, a season, a team, whatever you want to call it, right? Everything from the F1 show, the NASCAR show, the golf show. Uh, I've I, again, I've I've watched season long documentaries about Tottenham yeah. and Bayern Munich, and all that. I, like I'm obsessed with these things. What I didn't remember, and I was very young, for to be clear, like I was 13. That at some point, I was going to say you were maybe at the right end there. of that football season. Yeah. I think I was 12 for Brady's first Super Bowl which was like the the 2001 season or 2000 season, whatever that was, Super Bowl 36. So we're going back now, you know, 22 years ago or whatever. But that season, I remember it like it was yesterday, the Patriots taking off and the beginning of Brady. What I did not remember or know was that when Drew Bledsoe went down, so he was a $100 million man, $100 million quarterback, the first QB to get that much money. Signed a 10-year deal for $100 million. Think about that. When he got that contract, and he was Mr. Patriots, he had been in a Super Bowl playing for them. His skill set, according to Belichick and his group, as you find out, was deteriorating a little bit because the uh, the mobility was dissipating some. But I didn't remember this. So they were 0-2. He got hurt in the second week. They were basically 0-1, and then Mo Lewis hits him week two, right after the September 11th Uh tragedies in the first game back. So they're 0-2. Brady takes over for week three. In the six weeks after that, they went four and two with Brady, so they were a four and or five and two with Brady. Yeah, I was going to say they were five and four, four and four somewhere there. They were five and two with Brady, and so they were five and four overall. And then Bledsoe was able to come back, and he got cleared medically. What I don't remember is Robert Kraft went to Belichick and basically told him, "I want Bledsoe on the field." That was his guy. Um, The the entire league, they, they got all this audio and video of Collinsworth and. Everybody, you name him, Theismann, and any analyst that was anybody at the time, uh-huh. basically just killing Bill Belichick, right? And at the time, it makes perfect sense. Bledsoe was proven and legit, and Brady was a sixth-rounder nobody knew. But people forget this. Belichick had already been through that in Cleveland with Bernie Kosar, who he benched. Now, he didn't have a plan B. There was no Tom Brady waiting in the wings. So when he got rid of Kosar, Browns fans loved the guy. They they literally, like, I'm not exaggerating, Hung like a doll like effigies, in effigy yeah. of Bill Belichick. They wanted him fired. They demanded him fired. They couldn't stand him. And it's part of the reason he got run out of Cleveland. And then history is repeating itself where he's now going away from Bledsoe. Uh-huh. Everyone in the media thinks he's nuts. He's riding with Brady. And the first game after Bledsoe was back and he's he's going with Brady, Brady plays terribly and they in prime lose, time right? against the Rams. And they, of course they lose. He, he played a horrendous game and threw three picks. And it, they're now 5-5. Uh, five and five. Or whatever it was, and uh, and Drew Bledsoe thinks, okay, now I'm going to get my job back. And the next day, Belichick comes out and says, "We're not doing this all season. Stop asking me, unless Tom Brady gets hurt, he's my starter." And basically puts his jo- career on the line. It's his second year in New England. Yeah, his first year they went five and eleven. Mm-hmm. Now they're a 500 team. He's already been a coach with the Browns with no success and fired there, very little success. So his career's on the line. And Kraft. Tells you in this doc, you guys will see it, that he told Bledsoe, listen, man, I talked to him. This is what he's going to do. The only good thing about this is if it doesn't work out, you and I are going to be okay. Meaning, like, I'll fire this guy. This idiot. Yeah, exactly. 
and the Patriots didn't lose again the yeah, rest not, of the year. I was going to say, nine straight wins later, the dynasty begins. Brady was telling Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, and like that team a couple weeks after he took the job. So he's just a sixth rounder they know as Tom. Mm-hmm. They, they don't know him. You know, he's not the GOAT, obviously, yet. He's not like one of the great quarterbacks to ever live. But he's just going, I'm never giving that job back. And when he would leave the room, they'd like laugh at him. They'd be like, this guy is an idiot. This and psycho. Yeah. This is Drew's team, stupid. I mean, it is. It's very, very good if you want to check it out. But uh, Daryl Tapp was awesome as well and good catching up with him. How about the youth coaching their rushers now on the D-line with Tapp, Sharif Floyd, who played a handful of years ago, and then Kerrigan as the pass rushing specialist, mm-hmm. who we didn't talk to yesterday. I know. That was a bummer. Every time, every time we were going to try to get over to him, like all of a sudden somebody would swarm. Well, I hit him up yesterday, and I'm like, hey, man, you looked good because everyone was sitting at a table, uh-huh. you know? And he's like, yeah, I noticed you guys never came over to me. I was like, oh, this is tough. This is awkward. I was like, uh, we didn't have a lot of time. and Because we do love Ryan Kerrigan. We're, he is a long-time Kerrigan friend guys. of this program. And I, I told you this, but the two different times that I was actually, because, again, we had about 20 minutes. We had one segment where we played an interview from the day before to run over there, try to talk to as many guys as we could, get a few minutes with each one. Both times I was starting to pump fake or head over towards Ryan Kerrigan. Somebody would swoop in, and then because he's so nice, now all of a sudden they're talking for 10 minutes. So we missed our window. What's the latest on the Caps and the Wiz moving to Virginia and what's going on with the potential arena that Monumental wants to build in Virginia? Let's get into that next on the fan, our double play, 20 minutes away, and we're giving away Caps tickets. We got the Blitz at four on the fan. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the fan double play coming up in just a bit. And we will go blitzing at four o'clock. Excited to fill in some blanks today. 425 trading down would be. We'll fill in that blank. And later in the show, 525 trading up from number two to number one would be. We will cover both of those bases. But what is the latest on what's going on with the arena? So. First and foremost, from a news standpoint, Danny, labor groups have come out, many of them, to say they're opposed to an arena project in Northern Virginia. Now, Monumental and the plan did also get a critical endorsement over the last couple days. So I'd say there's a lot of back and forth. But the AFL-CIO is opposing the proposed arena and entertainment district in the Potomac Yard area of Alexandria, dealing a blow, at least initially, we're in the early stages here, to legislation under consideration in the state capital in Richmond, the labor groups are saying, Danny, that the developer should have entered into a labor agreement, adding the existing bill is not what they want for workers. Right. So, again, everybody has a chance now that this is part of the public discourse to get their piece. Does that, does that make sense? So I, I'm not criticizing anybody. We're all advocating for ourselves. If we, you and I had a, a, a an advocate on our behalf where it's like, right, portly afternoon radio guys aren't getting enough attention, and then they would make those kind of statements. So, yes, they want more, the uh, the folks that are opposing this down in Richmond, because they want something else as part of their own agenda. And I, again, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying this is sort of the process now that it's entered the political space beyond you and me just talking about drafting quarterbacks. It's now, you know, these guys and gals that, are having their moment in the sun, everybody gets to come out and for or against, then it's going to get them a headline. On the flip side of this, there was a report done by George Mason University's Center for Regional Analysts, uh, Analysts and Analysis found that 
proposed $2 billion Alexandria Sports Arena and Entertainment District supported by Governor Glenn Youngkin would create more than 5,400 workforce affordable housing units far exceeding the city's goals. Uh, they, they are fans of the project. Developer J.B.G. Smith requested study of projects housing impact. GMU did the study and came back with some findings that I'm sure the group over at Monumental will be happy to see. The report released this week was requested by J.B.G. Smith, the proposed projects developer, uh, which is bringing Monumental Sports and Entertainment's NHL and NBA teams, Caps and the Wizards, from their home stadium in D.C. to Alexandria. According to the report, uh, authored by someone named Terry Cloer, director of the Center for Regional Analysis in GMU's Shar School, if you want to look that up, the proposed development would include the 5,400 housing units completed between 2027 and 2036. So still nine years after kind of the, the teams get there that that'll all be happening. The rental and purchasable residences qualify as workforce housing, meaning that they are expected to be affordable to people who make about 80% or 90% in the area media income uh, between 66K and 154K. So we talk about affordable housing all the time. You and mm -hmm. I gripe about how everyone jokes about in D.C. they want more affordable housing. And then a condo pops up. Housing's never less affordable. Nobody can afford. Uh, at least the study suggests that this will create more affordable housing in that area of Alexandria. Certainly the idea there, right? So, I mean, big picture is this. We This is now kind of, I don't want to say the stalemate phase, but everybody is We've now. we the politics phase. Yeah, exactly. That's the way to put it, right? Every, everybody's going to try to get uh, their benefit out of it and 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 the like. But, you know, the, the, the Virginia seems pretty pot committed, or at least key people are. Uh, and as does Leontis as well. He said the die has been cast, et cetera. I know that uh, the D.C. mayor and, and company, they're trying to, um, you know, I don't want to call it a last-ditch effort, while, oh, while criticizing and saying this is bad, here's still $500 million for somebody that they're sort of portraying as a villain. So it it certainly is complicated. I don't, I don't think anything is eminent. I still do think it ultimately happens, but, you know, concessions are going to need to be made. And I guess the question is, I wonder now that we're two months past the initial announcement, Right, it was kind of a bombshell that went from rumor that you and I were both kind of like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm sure that's a real thing, to no, 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 it's a real thing, it's happening. Here's the press conference tomorrow. Just kind of wondered what where people are. You know what I mean? Like, I think the initial shock and anger and irritation. I don't want to say it's worn off. I know some folks are still as angry as as they were before. Some folks maybe more acceptance, etc. But I mean, to me, the, the the thing that I find interesting about this, and this is just my two cents, I feel like monumental is not highlighting the right stuff. Their PR message, to me, is ringing hollow, falling on deaf ears, and frankly, irritating people, right? You look at when they post one of these things on, on their Twitter accounts or whatever, they're turning the replies off because it just doesn't sound right. Well, in fairness, if, if I may, I mean, when you're moving out of D.C. into Virginia, the replies are not going to be good. Fair enough. I don't care Fine. what their strategy was. If their strategy was, we're going to recruit LeBron James and Connor McDavid, and they both said they'll come to D.C. That's with fair. our new arena, everyone's going to be angry, or at least the people right. in the Right, yeah, the, the commenters. So that's fair. But I guess what I'm saying is there's a, I'm not abandoning D.C., says Ted Leonsis repeatedly. Uh, kind of. I wouldn't focus on that part, right? To me, I would go... Our facilities are inadequate. We're trying to build. We are. We have. We have to go to four different places to practice, to train, to lift weights, to do whatever. I'm going to build a thing where my basketball players can go get practice and then get a, a nutritious meal, then walk over to the arena to get treatment. We're going to build a complex that's state of the art. That to me is the selling point. 
Are you tired of never having the Wizards win ever? Are you exhausted by that? Let us let us try to do something to change it. Let us try to have the first 50-win team in decades. In addition to having competent basketball people in charge, which they do now, thankfully, we're going to try to have first-in-class facilities for the first time. Let's do that. Instead of having to go to Boston uh, and, and reserve ice rink time uh, because the Mighty Mites or Figure Skating Freddy is going in there, we're going to have our own situation for the Capitals right there on campus. We're trying to build something to compete in a competitive business. I would emphasize that a lot less than, no, we're still totally, we love D.C., man. We love you guys. Still going to be there. Because everyone's kind of, that ship has sailed to me. I'd be curious if anybody's feelings have changed at all since the original announcement, whether that means you're more or less likely to get behind the move or maybe you were in and you're more in, you were out and you're more out, whatever it is. Be curious to hear from you guys at 800-636-1067. couple of clips here from some of the pieces that Monumental has put out there for consumption for uh, its constituents, you guys as fans, to see uh, to maybe assuage fears or, or give you more uh, intel into their thinking. So this one, I think Zach Leontis is the first person you hear from here um, who is one of the high-ups over at Monumental, obviously the son of Ted Leontis, talking about... The fact that they knew when they announced this, everyone wasn't going to love it. Plenty of people would. But there was going to be work to, to get done to let everyone know why this is a good idea. Obviously, when something major like this is announced, a lot of people have questions. We are, are very earnest in our intention and in wanting to listen to locals in Alexandria and across the DMV as to their concerns, how we might assuage them. When we engage with the community, we do it in a lot of different ways, and that's through the Alexandria land use process, but also through listening tours, through small business roundtables, through meetings that we have with stakeholders throughout the community. We have a number of open events across the city of Alexandria, and we have a website where everyone can provide their thoughts, their suggestions, and communicate with us about their ideas. They can find the schedule for open meetings, and uh, times will be in the community at monumentalopportunity.com. It is our full intention to talk to people, to listen, hear out people's concerns, and then figure out ways that we can collaborate together to make something generational that we can be really proud of. So that was one of the videos they put out on kind of the, the ways that you guys can engage in the process. What about the one where they talked about some of the fears on traffic and parking, which I think are two of the biggest yes. issues, certainly that the Virginia folks now, if you're driving, you want to know that you can park, or if you're in Maryland and you're metroing, it might not sound like a lot of fun, depending on where you're coming from. could be a much longer commute. But I think if you're in that Alexandria area and you're potentially excited, your potential pitfalls are, am I going to be in a bunch of traffic because of this, and what's the parking going to be like on game night? We hear so much from the community about how traffic is one of the biggest concerns. We're focusing a lot of our time around turning lanes, signalized intersections that are coordinated all the way down Route 1, queuing for rideshare, special rideshare zones. We're going to make this the most um, professionally managed in terms of traffic, in terms of parking, in terms of time of entry and exit, syncing the lights, doing all of those things. When we think about Metro, it's all about how do you move people off of the platform quickly. That means more fare gates, a wider bridge, more escalators. If you're driving to the arena, you'll be able to park in underground spots. We'll have 2,500 parking spots. The residents around the arena 
and businesses around the arena are not going to be flooded with traffic. The improvements that are coming here won't just benefit Monumental and the arena, they're going to benefit the community and be part of a regional transportation plan. That involves a lot of different stakeholders and a lot of research to really make the plan work. The question for you guys is how are you feeling now compared to, I think it was December 13th. Yeah, a couple months ago. Now. When this was first announced and we found out with this big press conference that this was going down. Look, I don't really have a horse in the race. It, it makes it easy for me, I think, whenever we do this topic because I have zero venom, even though I guess if I could touch a button, I'd prefer the teams stay in D.C. But under the guys or through the situation that the neighborhood got back to being what the neighborhood was and they were able to make massive enhancements to the arena that I think are unrealistic, frankly. But the perfect utopian thing for me that I enjoy doing is going downtown into D.C. to see my D.C. teams play. That is true. I believe that it's very obvious that the best arena, which I do want, and the best situation from a player recruitment, fan enjoyment, me going to a Caps game, having a blast, being able to get a good seat and be down by the ice and maybe go to the club and eat something nice before the game on my birthday or for a, you know an anniversary when I take my wife. I think that's going to be better at the new thing than the current thing. And those are the things that I'm excited about. But if I found out today that it's not happening, while as a Virginian I'd be disappointed that there will still, for the entire life that I've lived, not have been one arena or one stadium that I've ever had to call my own in my state. Like, I'm not, it wouldn't be sad to me. I would go, oh, that, that's crazy. Yeah, that okay. They were so gung-ho about it and it didn't work. But I'll just keep going to the arena that I go to probably more than anyone, frankly, that you listen to on these airwaves. I'm there all the time. I go to more Caps games than I don't. I've been to several Wizards games. So I'm not advocating either way. But what I what I will say is I don't have the venom that a lot of people have, like pretty obviously. I want to get your thoughts in a mm-hmm. second, Danny, and we'll, we'll see what people think. 800-636-1067 is the number. G&D on the fan. G&D on the fan. Double play coming your way in just a couple minutes. And at the top of the hour, we're blitzing. We're giving away Caps tickets as well. Where are the Caps going to be playing deep into the future? What about the Wizards? That is the question. Well, if Ted Leonsis has his way, they're headed to Virginia. Did you see, by the way, on the FanDC.com that Rick Snyder, one of our regular guests, wrote that Washington Sports has a new villain. Ted Leonsis is the new villain, he says. And look, he is catching a lot of shrapnel, a lot of heat. There are fans that are very, very angry in D.C. and in Maryland. I think that should have been expected. Yeah. There was going to be animus, like you're moving a team. It's not like they're moving to St. Louis. But people were used to one thing. Now you're moving the arena further away. For most of the people that you're moving the arena closer to, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of anger. But for the people that are going to have a longer commute, you will. And for people that just don't like change, you will. Everyone hated when Rob Manford said they're going to have a pitch clock. Sure. By the end of the season, people didn't hate it as much. Everyone hated some of the, the tweaks to you know, base runners and throwing over and trying to create stolen bases. There's not as much animus for that. I don't know that this will be the same. It'll probably depend on whether the arena's awesome, 
whether players care enough about the new facility to, to be recruited. But uh, the, the Venom, while expected to some extent, has surprised me a little bit. It, it surprised me a lot because there are multiple <laughs> columns of people that are united in opposition. The usual folks that are upset about anything, as you said. Then there's those where you're right. It, it's it's less convenient if you live in Silver Spring, Hyattsville, uh, you know, points north and maybe even east uh, uh, outside of D.C., or you're in Gaithersburg or whatever. Yeah, this, this got worse for you. There are trade-offs. I'm sorry. that You're 100% right. That is worse for you. Complain away. Folks that could walk to the arena. I lived, by the way, uh, I don't know, a few thousand feet from the arena for a handful of years. I, I walked all the time. I was over there on a semi-nightly basis, right, going to Caps games. I had season tickets to the Wizards, a whole bunch of stuff, right? So I understand if you if it got worse for you, that makes sense. The part that I was stunned by, and you and I went through this a million times over, were the people that just said, no, because it's Virginia. No. Ah! No sympathy for that. No understanding of that. No comprehension of that. The, the, the tantrum, even if uh, you could go, well, it's actually closer to you over here. It's actually not much of a difference. It's actually this. They don't want to hear it because it's Virginia. So I, I don't know what to tell those folks. Right? By the way, I just got this into the inbox. Monica Dixon's going to join us tomorrow at 3.30. Oh, nice. She's the president of external affairs, chief admin officer at Monumental. So if you have questions for Monica, maybe you can send them and funnel them to us uh, at Grant H. Paulson at Funny Danny, and we can get as many of those answered as possible. Try to be a liaison for you guys who have some of those concerns, and I'm sure she'll come on to try to help assuage and, and whatever questions we've got. Totally, yeah. That are still bountiful. It's It's really simple for me, though. Like, you know, I hate to – I wish I had a stronger take. I know that's not great radio. I, it's It comes down to me for I want the best arena. That's what I care about. Like People are like, are you, are you pro Leonsis? Are you just, you know, looking out for Ted? I Call me crazy. I'm a sports fan who wants an awesome venue. I don't want FedEx Field any longer. I want an awesome stadium. I don't give a damn, really, where it's at. I'd like it to be in D.C., that's my preference. I want it to be at RFK, as a matter of fact. But if I find out it's at National Harbor or it's at Potomac Landing or anywhere else, I want a new stadium that's state-of-the-art. And for the Caps and the Wizards, I'll continue to go to Capital One Arena, mm-hmm. which is a very pedestrian average arena at this point. It's old and antiquated and dated. There's only so much you can do. I'm also able to think with enough common sense that even if I don't like that they're leaving the city, which on a binary there's some dislike, I suppose, that they're leaving the city. I think that's possible while also saying I'm excited mm. about the possibilities in Virginia. But here's the deal. It's a much better deal that they're getting. So you you can be upset about that, mm-hmm. but I, it's a real estate deal. It's a massive amount of land to do a lot of stuff with to have a much better venue. So what is my kind of angle here? As a guy who goes to dozens of games a year, my angle is having a kick-ass venue. That's what I want. I want the best arena. I want the best NFL stadium. I want an amazing ballpark. That's what I care about. I, I smell what you're cooking there. I think your your comp of FedEx Field is a great one. I'm I'm not going to cry over the the citizens of Landover or Raljon or wherever the, the place is called because they're losing that arena or that asset when it, when it moves somewhere else. You know what I mean? I know yeah. it's not the same. If I was Ted, though, I would just go hard in the paint with, I'm getting you guys the best arena this is I my can, point. and it just so happens that that's in Virginia. Yeah, this is my point. I go, I, I, my right now, my practice facility is further away than where this new stadium is from my current home stadium. Think about that. It takes longer to get to the 
place where they're supposed to be practicing than this this new arena does. I would also by by geography. And they've done this a little bit. It, like the optics may not be great. I would go hard in the paint with like how long we were talking with DC about getting help and you know improving things around where the current facility is, which has held up that neighborhood. That is my one drawback to all of this. While I, I say like I, I'm excited about the possibilities of Virginia, go back to the first day we heard about this. I am petrified for what it means for DC, where there's fewer foot traffic, mm-hmm. where there's less people working in the city than there's been in decades, and in that neighborhood specifically, where I think. Like at you know, like a in a movie where the the guy who took the vitamins is holding up the car. In a lot of ways, that's what Cap One Arena is doing at the Pen whatever that Pen Quarter Pen Con. Pen Quarter, I suppose now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stefan in DC. What's up? Hey, how you guys doing? What's up, buddy? Hanging in there. Um, so my thing is, initially when it was announced, I got understand for some of the reasons you guys stated. Just seeing what was proposed. It was just a better deal, so I can understand that. I can I can respect that. But now, once you started getting more details and getting more of an understanding, and you realize it wasn't just a situation where DC wasn't trying to give him the money he re- he requested, he was already talking to Virginia for two years, and the money that he requested from the city was legally they couldn't get, give him that money in the time frame that he was talking about. So when you kind of look at those situations. It, it came. It, it's sleazy to me because he's saying, "Oh, he needed, you know, this money." But would you feel DC. different if? Do you agree with me that from from just a sheer business standpoint, right? We could talk about if you have a fiduciary responsibility to the city or not. But if we're talking about him owning a coffee shop, that him opening that same coffee shop on the lot in Virginia is much better for him than the one he has in D.C. Do you agree with that? Oh, you know, 100%. Because even with. So if he just came out, Stefan, and said that, would you like Would you like that better? No, I think if he came out and they went with that angle, I can respect it and I can understand it. But then when you start slandering and when you see that, no, that's not the issue, or you're saying before the Caps and Wizards games, you're saying we're going to put up 400 and something million to start the build, and then the 1.5 billion that they're going to get from Virginia, they're going to pay that back then why do we have to give you, you know, all this money if you're essentially saying you're going to front the $2 billion bill? Gotcha, man. Yeah, there's when you get into the economics of it, the, the more free money you get, it's pretty – I think that's the the, the tipping point, right? Because DC's like at, in the 11th hour, maybe you'd argue the 13th hour because after the clock struck midnight, said, hey, we could do $500 million, because it's a, actually a very stupid point that Stefan made. The DC had their own rules about – ability to borrow and not carrying too much debt on their balance sheet which is actually a really smart thing just as a quick side they their budget came in better than they thought so they were able to produce that again pretty much after the deal was already done for them to go to Virginia I know that was very convoluted but Virginia is doing something unprecedented because they're so desperate to get this done some are Yunkin and company want this so badly they're going above and beyond what anyone has ever done in terms of public subsidy for a stadium let's go to Matt Woodbridge what's up Matt Hey, what's up, fellas? How you doing? Hey, buddy. To be honest with you, a stadium or a sports complex, whatever you want to call it, is never good for the people of that state. Uh, they always say that they, they brag about the amount of tax revenue that it's going to bring in for the people of that state. But in reality, that tax revenue never comes back to the people. It goes to more government services, and it goes to the lobbyists who are the ones that actually benefit off of a deal like this. And uh, – and no matter what state it goes in, it is going to be the taxpayers that pay for these complexes and these stadiums. So I'd be happy if it went to Maryland or D.C. myself, to be honest with you. But it's a great deal for uh, 
for Ted Leon, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, appreciate I think you. It's a, a better deal than what he's got in D.C., which is why he's trying to make it happen, among other reasons. Without a doubt. I mean, to me, the point to lean in on is we're trying to, in this the most competitive field that there is, where everybody's got similar resources for on-court, on-ice, et cetera, we're trying to gain a competitive advantage as best we can, and this gives us a chance to do that because we're getting the most for free. I would lean into that, and it doesn't seem like they are. Beltway Blitz is next, and we're giving away Caps tickets right here on The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.